Deezer Originals. This is Strong and Stable. Now, since our last recording, uh, Britain has suffered another terrible terrorist attack. And everyone here at the podcast would like to offer our love and support to all those affected. Like the general election campaign itself, we feel it's important to keep calm and carry on. So here we are. Welcome to this week's show. Now... It's time for Strong and Stable. Strong and Stable, 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 Strong and Stable. Hello, I'm Dom Jolly. That, unfortunately, is my catchphrase. And this is Strong and Stable, the general election podcast that's coming to you weekly because, well, a week is a long time in politics. If you don't believe me, it's the election day tomorrow. Yet just seven days ago, Amber Rudd was Prime Minister. Coming up later, we've got Jonathan Pye on the Lib Dems and Tony, Ble- well, Rory Bremner. But now it's time to introduce our very own Coalition of Chaos, our guests. And they are someone who's worked at the coal face of politics, although that should presumably now be the fracking face. It actually sounds a bit rude, but it's stand-up comedian and former Labour special advisor, Aisha Hazarika. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Next up, a director, writer and satirist, the man behind programmes such as The Thick of It and Veep, who's no doubt thinking that most events of the last year or so are a bit too outlandish to make it into those shows. Armando Iannucci. Hello. How are you? Satirist. Satirist. I hate being called satirist. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It makes me sound like I'm... Victorian. Black and white and (laughs) on stage with Peter Cook. Well, it could be worse things. (laughs) You could be a former Labour advisor. (laughs) And finally, because Aisha and Armando are both Scottish, uh, we made sure that our third guest covered the remaining bases. So it's an Englishman with a Welsh name, stand-up comedian, Simon Evans. Good afternoon. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Very formal? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm representing England. <laughs> uh, so this show will be going out, or dropping, as my kids say, on Election Day Eve. Mm. I personally will be leaving a jar of jam out for when Father Corbyn comes down the chimney, <laughs> while my Tory voting neighbour, well, actually my Tory voting neighbours, the entire Gloucestershire, has already nailed a fox carcass to his front door. And then, as is traditional, we all gather round the telly to watch David Dimbleby, who covered his first general election in 18, no, 1979, <laughs> which is the same year, weirdly, that the current Labour Party manifesto was written. <laughs> so, guests, hello. Yeah, hello. It's nearly election day. Are you excited? How will you be spending it? You don't have to shout. We're in the same room as you. But I'm trying to get excitement going. You're quite right. I'll do that again. Guests. Guests. It is nearly election day. I, I see it a bit like Christmas Day. Do we all have a sort of ritual? Simon, what do you do on election? Generally speaking, I um, I investigate the possibility of myself living in a marginal constituency and decide that it's probably not worth taking part. OK. That's, that's been my ritual for the last eight years. Anyway. Wow. Sounds yeah. like fun. Um, so you yeah. opt out. Do you not vote? Do you I not vote? I didn't vote last time. And I know that is um, completely... Uh, that is that is the great heresy now. But last time it was very obvious to me how it was going to go. And it did indeed go that way. The the Tories essentially fielded a candidate who was a sort of retired general. Um, who was armed. Yeah, yeah, and he was <laughs> he, he was sort of going around going essentially they threw it, basically. 
Aisha, your election, what do you well, do? Well, this is going to be weird for me because this is going to be the first election that I'm not working um, at HQ. Because, of course, you were working on Ed Miliband's yeah, campaign. Absolutely. So, presumably, whatever happens, it's going to be a better night than that. Exactly, that, that yeah. went well. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. How come Ed is so funny on Twitter now, but was a bit rubbish as leader? I don't know. Everyone's like, we should have just we should have let Ed be Ed. I think now that Ooh. he's free from the shackles of leadership, because I think when you are leader of the opposition, it is the shittest job in yeah. politics. And everyone just takes the rip out of you. And I think he just became very self-editing the whole time and now he's mm. free and he can be But a lot of people funny. do get better after being I mean Gordon Brown you know very nice guy but was pretty uninspiring as the leader and uh, obviously Ed Miliband great in Duncan Smith not really <laughs> never really pulled it off afterwards hasn't that resurgence William Hague had a great kind of mm. resurgence as well you know I think it's quite good for people when they sort of fail as a as a leader um, obviously Margaret a... Thatcher blossomed after she did <laughs> she did a stand up tour briefly and was very funny <laughs> so do you think like failure bantering with Skinner yeah in, uh, <laughs> actually I'd pay for that that's a good night out commissioner wasn't it yeah. Thatcher and Skinner banter night it's strong and stable. Do you think failure makes politicians funnier? Yes, I think it does. Because I think when you're um, in your ascendancy, you you kind of believe the hype and you become quite arrogant about things. And mm. I think you try and be funny, but it's in quite a labour. To be funny, you have to be prepared to really sort of humiliate yourself a bit and kind of take risks. And you can't do that when when people are saying to you, "You might be prime ministerial." You know, prime minister, you have to look prime ministerial. So when slash if. Jeremy Corbyn loses this election uh, and and when slash if he resigns, will he blossom into some kind of children's entertainer or... I'm seeing him more uh, as in the Ian Duncan Smith mould, sort of strong just, and stable. Just as is. Yeah, yeah, yeah just as like is. The, uh, yes. the wise old turtle in Kung Fu Panda who sort of dissolves into a, into a thousand petals which are then dispersed on the wind. That's how I would like to that's, see him end. That's, that's if yeah. Corbyn takes a lot of acid, I think. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. I think uh, Aisha's done very well to skirt around the implication, which you're clearly making, which is, isn't it funny how Ed Miliband has become so approachable and amusing now that you're no longer writing for him? Which, oh, thanks I, for that. Well, that yeah. seems yeah. to be yeah. basically well, yeah, what yeah, he was saying. Often, yeah. you know, this, often yeah. this kind of stuff is better left unsaid. But yeah. listen, whatever... <laughs> Don't worry, I'm like the Jonah of British politics. I'm the first person to Guys, admit that, basically. <laughs> whatever happens, it strikes me that election night coverage is just like any other mm. average night out in the North East. Mm. Honestly, I mean, nothing happens for an hour and then you go to Sunderland. <laughs> I did not write that, but thank you for laughing. Um, now, according to the highly scientific, much improved and carefully calculated polls this week, the Tories are set to win or lose with a majority of anything between about zero and 650 seats. Uh, of course, some people say you can never trust a poll or a Czech or, or a Bulgarian. Woohoo! Yes, you kip, I'm in the house. Either way, it's election day tomorrow. <laughs> Unless you're listening after election day, in which case it isn't. And the winner is expected to make a speech early on Friday morning. If Jeremy Corbyn wins, he'll speak from Labour's election headquarters. Whereas if Theresa May wins, we can expect Downing Street to be the location for Amber Rudd's speech. Mm. Uh, what guys do you think of the poll? I mean, what do we think of polls anyway? Are we sort of Govesque? We don't like experts? Are polls finished? I'm really sceptical of the polls now because I remember last year, uh, the day of the 2015 general election, we were sat in Labour HQ planning every single scenario, scenario planning, 
And we went for everything apart from a Tory majority because the, every single pollster in the land said, do not worry, there is no chance of there being a Tory majority. Every political commentator said, we've spoken to the pollsters, there's no way this is going to happen. Then that exit poll dropped and literally our jaws hit the floor. So I am very sceptical about the polls. When you say you plan for every eventuality, what, you're planning for like huge Ed dance-off party, small Ed party or... You literally had a meteor of death. We, yeah. No, I'll tell you what we started planning for, going in to negotiate coalition talks. That's what With we, who? With anyone, basically. <laughs> literally anyone. <laughs> literally anyone. What, the, the monster-raving loony party? <laughs> Lord Such, come on in. He's dead, I think. I mean, that would have been Let's impressive. Let's have a seance, yeah. bring it on. So it was, it was yeah, that That's what we through. were planning for. We, we thought that we would be able to negotiate a sort of coalition and that's what gets in. So we had we were told to sort of get lots of sleep because you were going to be doing three days of negotiating <laughs> and cheering. Mm. And, yeah. Amanda, what, what do you think of pollsters? I mean, has the sort of whole polling industry collapsed? It sort of has. You notice that it used to be that the news led with uh, the latest polls or did you an update in the polls? They're not. The TV coverage is ignoring the polls other than saying some polls are shown tightening of the race. But uh, they, they're not taking it seriously. I mean, Do you I, think people are just lying or... I, or are they, what's changed? I think people, I think people are being over optimistic about their um, <laughs> about how likely they are to turn out. I think that's that. I mean, I hope not. And I've been spending the last six weeks trying to encourage um, eighteen, twenty-four year olds to register and to get out and vote because it would make a difference. You know, it's such mm. a low turnout normally amongst that age group. Because my feeling is a bit a like boxing and, and wrestling. You know, there used yeah. to be just one championship, and now there's so yeah, many yeah, belts. Yeah. You know, there's one. So yes. literally, you can probably find a poll, you know, yes. which suits your uh, view. As we speak, there is a poll showing that Jeremy Corbyn has a slight lead over the Tories, and there's another one showing that Theresa May has a 12-point lead over Labour and is going to get a 100 majority. So it's almost like they're just randomly making the numbers up now. I no, think. come yes. now, come now. Simon, what do you think of polls? Well, I, exactly what you've said, and and it's not just polls, is it? It's it's hot takes, it's columnists, it's news sources, it's film reviews. I mean, there's just there's just too much of everything, isn't there? It's us. Too we much information. Yeah, yeah, we should, yeah, yeah, we should yeah. stop. We should stop. Yeah. Should we just stop? Yeah, just stop. Just stop. <laughs> Although I have read a poll. This, <laughs> this is going to number one. This podcast. I did yeah. also see a tweet from a famous person. That's the other thing that sends like politicals into like orbit when they see like a famous person with loads of Twitter followers. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's on now. Strong and stable. One big story oh. of this election has been the decline of Paxman, hasn't it? It's yes, it has. Yes. The, 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 I did university challenge, uh, not because I'm at university, but I, I did a university challenge uh, the other week, and he was on. And I have to say, okay, it was the first time I'd come face to face with a great man, mm. and he did look a bit mm. tired. I mean, he has a new <laughs> partner, I believe. I don't know if we can talk about that, but possibly, I don't know. He I, just mean, I was have surprised the that that, that um, Channel 4 mm. Sky thing, I mean, we knew there would be a loser called Jeremy, we just didn't think it would be Paxman. <laughs> <laughs> nice, we'll have that. Thanks. Look at that, she's on form. <laughs> who, who, did, uh, who did Question Time for Ed Miliband? Who wrote the jokes? Was that you? Uh, sometimes, Was yes. it? What was your favourite joke? That, what was probably the best, most successful joke? Because the best one is always a reaction, isn't it? Like one that is well, off the cuff. actually, the best one I think I did was with Harriet Harman. The first time she went up against William Hague in mm. PMQs and she'd been photographed wearing a stab vest in her own constituency like yes. just the day before. It was an absolute disaster. 
and I knew Haig would make a joke about something to do with clothing and her wearing this thing. So we came up with this line about, look, I'm not taking fashion advice from the man in the baseball cap. And it really was. I mean, it's not the funniest joke in the world, but in the House of Commons, it literally, people were clutching their sides and it was like on the in news In the House going, of Commons, that is the best joke. That is like the best been. joke ever. It was like yeah. on the news, like Harmon makes joke. But it's quite <laughs> weird. Yeah, because A, it depends if you're seen as a kind of doer politician and you do make one, it's kind of like double the effect that if you're supposed to be funny. But also the House of Commons is a bit like a... It's sort of like a common room, isn't it? So the most obvious jokes mm. is basically your shit makes people yeah, laugh. Yeah, like your mum. Your mum would like... be the best. <laughs> I'd love him just to do that. Your mum. <laughs> Listen, I was going to end this section with a joke about how utterly pointless and inaccurate opinion polls are. Uh, this would go down well in the House of Commons. But it seems that according to you, Gov, they're still trusted by 107% wow. of the people. Hey. Yes. yes, your mum. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the Tory campaign now. The election seems to have been so damaging to Theresa May that she must be absolutely furious at whoever decided to call it. Some people, because she called it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm just, because I know you did Miliband. Yeah, thanks. Just, own, can you mansplain own... more of the <laughs> jokes to me? That would be really helpful. You're on the attack now, I like it. <laughs> Uh, when the Tories started this campaign, uh, it was essentially all in the bag. A very simple question. Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> Armando? Hey, as you pointed out, she called an election when we didn't need one. Yeah. And, and I think the writing was on the wall in the way she called it, because she came out Downing Street and she said, oh, back in the House of Commons there, they're trying to stop Brexit. They're try- there's another party with another point of view, and there's a third party with a third point of view. I'm not having that. And I thought that's a perfect description of how democracy works. Yeah. But she was annoyed that there were differences of opinion that was somehow preventing her from having her way. So she decided to call an election. And I think people just don't like seeing that kind of level of... It's a sort of arrogance that everything... If you just have to say what it is you want loud enough and look annoyed that you haven't got it, then somebody will give it to you. But I, I think Trump even though I loathe him, would be honest, wouldn't he? He'd just say, well, look, I was 20 points ahead, so of course yeah, I'm going to yeah, go yeah. for it. Yeah. Whereas they just can't say that, and no, that's what's irritating. No. So where do you think, yeah, Simon, I, where do you think I mean, that wrong? would make sense, what Amanda just said, except that she did hold on to the lead for, for at least a week after she called the election. So if that was what happened, it took mm. quite a while to sink in. I mean, I don't fully understand the mechanisms uh, that she's concerned about in terms of going to Europe, coming back with a negotiated deal and then presenting it, and Mm -hmm. the degree to which people might question her legitimacy because she was just elected as against Andrea Leadsom, which isn't, you know, and it's not a very strong mandate in itself. Well, I mean, that's going up against Andrea Leadsom's like winning Wimbledon against the wheelie bin. Like, it's just not like a proper competition. So she did have, I think she had a legitimate reason to call an election, and she had a legitimate reason to think that she would win it. Hmm. I think what went wrong was, was her. Really, I mean, she's just, she seems to have just had a complete brain But also, don't forget, she didn't actually have to do any campaigning for the leadership. Exactly. Exactly. She hasn't done it. Tim Tim Walker from The Mirror tweeted that Theresa May is like a silent movie star unable to cope with the advent of the talkies. And it is a bit (laughs) like that. I mean, she she literally hadn't been tested. Everyone's like. And also, when she was Home Secretary, and then for the first bit of her being Prime Minister, she could do these set piece speeches behind a podium, Mm. very Mm. sober. And always looking serious. Yeah, Yeah. looking quite real. Trust and mama. quite sort of, you yeah. know, and then the the massive miscalculation they made, they made it all about leadership. And you're talking about somebody who's got the charisma of an ironing board and is basically not a good performer either. I mean, mm. she's made Jeremy Corbyn look like a colossus. What do we see for me? I can't I, I have to say it. And it's probably gonna be sexist, but it's the hair just irritates me. And I would say that about <laughs> yeah. politician. Yeah. <laughs> Boris's hair annoys me. It's like she's very well put together and looks very good. But then I just keep looking going. 
You can't what? even look. It's just irritating. Is that wrong for me to yeah, say? Yeah, that's wrong. Her hair's okay. I think her hair's quite stylish. Do you? Yeah, I don't. Really I think she's really stylish till the hair, but it's probably not, 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 not annoyed by Corbyn's beard. That doesn't do anything. Well, Corbyn's that, trimmed the beard, hasn't he? As he's trimmed his sort of far left view, as he's sort of gone less <laughs> Marxist, the beard's been reined in a bit. It's almost like the, the beard more, is. The more he supported Trident. <laughs> like that is the most of... interesting thing about the whole election, though, is the his beard. To which, well, the degree to which he has managed to rebrand himself as a yes. moderate. And it, I really thought that they would hammer him on that and they don't they've hardly laid a glove on him i mean mcdonnell you know has an extraordinary history and reputation you know mm. for somebody who but, wants to be chancellor yes they all do i mean they all have i'm not saying they can't have changed but just as a for instance in the 1970s if the tory party had had the same election camp sort of mechanisms as the labor party now they would have had enoch powell in in charge that's who they would have had definitely and not he. the farage of and his if time, they'd so. had enoch powell and he had come to the nation with a manifesto which was a more compromised set of proposals than he himself and he had said well listen i'm not a dictator you know people could legitimately have said well maybe but still this is your history this is mm. your record the Tories have just completely failed to make that point. I'm, but is it because I'm, I'm he's... I'm yeah. about that, really. Yeah. Is it because they're not attacking one? Are they too oh, they smug are, about it? They are attacking. But not they, well, though. They're not no, hitting home. The they're problem not for Corbyn, it. Or not the problem for Corbyn. The, the issue is, all of this has been priced in already, I think. So from mm. even when mm. he was thinking about going for the leadership contest for the Labour Party, people are like, yeah, but he's mates with Hamas, he's supported yes. the IRA. Also, it's not new news to yes. anybody. And for younger people who are really into him, mm. they don't know what... Yeah. Like, Hamas they want a is. sex tape or something to come out. They want something new. I, I, I don't know if they want that. No, like, they don't no, want that. I don't you want don't want, want that? that? They don't no, want no, that. They don't want to see no, no. Papa Corbin. No, yeah. they oh, don't. No, no. Uh, no. Tim Farron sex tape. Well, <laughs> but but, but, but it, it's, uh, I mean, this gets... Theresa May we've got to get back to. Oh, right. Not a sex tape, please. <laughs> Not no, sex tape. No, so, no. so, so Theresa May, I mean, yeah. for instance, one of the things is, uh, again, going with the smugness slightly, is the fact that she refuses to engage Corbin, you know, head on. Is that a problem? Is that Was that a good move? Was she right? Because normally you're only going to lose, aren't you, if you go into a debate? So strategically, she was right to probably not do it because she's got Even the most now? to lose but mm. it may turn out massively weak because you can't give it the big one about leadership and then be too scared to turn up and debate somebody who you say is crap and that surely was one of her strong points she was the strong home secretary and Corbyn was a yes. bit weak on security and actually she gave him the one thing he's like well at least I'm here talking about it and yeah. no one's bothered to ask well what are you talking about because he's the only one doing it the only person she has debated live on television has been her husband <laughs> that's, that's on the it. one show which on we know is a, is a which is a roady difficult it's like the yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, Boy jobs and girl jobs. <laughs> the one show landed more of a, a glove on Corbyn than uh, Jeremy Paxman managed to. What I was mean, that? They, well, they exposed, they, they brought to light his woeful academic record, which might not, you know, bother many people, but I think two E's at A level is actually quite a concerning well, that is grounding the, stop, you know, for the snob. intellectual. That's the one that's show. This is interesting. Why is it? It is concerning. You're absolutely right. A lot of people do think that that poem. is snobbery, that <laughs> I have concerns that this <laughs> chap who wants to be Prime Minister is would not have been able to get into a half decent polytechnic in the 70s. That seems odd to me. Enough of this intellectual <laughs> snobbery. Let's give the final word to pop critic Simon Price, uh, who tweeted when Theresa May calls herself a bloody difficult woman, she missed out to find. Well done, Simon Price. Do you know he's him? He's very easy to find. He is good. He's got, he's got the weird Mohican and stuff yeah, in Indy. He's yeah. fantastic. Speaking of bloody difficult people, I believe we've managed to get our hands on an exclusive audio recording from Tony Blair. Now, I could tell you how, but you'd only be found dead in the woods afterwards. You're listening to Strong and Stable. The person you are calling is unavailable. Please leave your message after the tone. Hi, Jez. Uh, Tony here. No, don't, don't, don't hang up. Uh, just a quick message to wish you and... Um, God, 
I nearly said New Labour there. The party, the party. Uh, best of luck on June the 9th. And I mean that sincerely. Well, as sincerely as I get, anyway. Golly, is it really 20 years since I won the first of my three, yeah, count them, three historic victories? You know, I'll never forget that night in 1997 when I turned to Cherie and said, feel that, Cherie, all that warmth and goodwill, love and hope. Yeah? Well, in 10 years' time, I'll have completely destroyed all that. So look, Jez, can I just give you some advice for the benefit of my vast experience? I can? Right, OK, that'll be £10,000. <laughs> you know, you may not have the old Blair charisma. I mean, come on, who has? But I can see you're not afraid of getting out there and spending time talking to and getting the views of ordinary, everyday members of terrorist organisations. But, look, the way you've led the campaign, all that passion and energy... I think it's really made the country sit up and think. You know, think, why the hell wasn't he like that during the Brexit campaign? <laughs> so, just let me say this. I think, you know, you have got to tighten up your act. If I didn't know an important figure, you know, I just made it up. Sometimes I even put it in a dossier. I mean, come on, if you can't beat them, join them. So, look, remember, things can only get bitter. Bye. Many thanks to Tony Blair there, or as I call him, Tone. <laughs> and by Tone, I do, of course, mean Rory Bremner. Strong and stable. Uh, switching our focus to the Labour Party, it's fair to say that they grew in confidence in this uh, final week. Even Tatler magazine, surprisingly, came out in support of Corbyn. Well, as surprising as it could be for Tatler to support a chap called Jeremy, who grew up in a seven-bedroom house, has a brother called Piers, and a son called Sebastian. Aisha, where did it all go right for Labour? Well, I think it started with the fact that expectations were so low. Like, when the election kicked off, Corbyn was about 24 points behind Theresa May. He kicked off with a photocall with safety goggles in a toilet. Like, it was not a good start. You know, it was all cisterns go with somebody, like, you know, wrote... So, he started from a very low base. He almost had to just turn up, walk to the podium and not fall over and he had won. Then you couple that with this absolute stinker of a campaign that Theresa May has had. People forget Corbyn actually is at his best when he's campaigning. He likes going out to big crowds of people, people who like him. He's got a core script, which is authentic. It's fighting poverty, social justice, all that kind of thing. So he's actually at his best when he's campaigning. So he's, he's actually come into his own. Simon, what do you think? Yes, well, I mean, he's, 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 he's obviously countered the principal objection, which was that he was simply unelectable. He doesn't look unelectable anymore. He may well be unelected, but he doesn't look like as preposterous a, a proposition as it was. A, everyone was treating it as if it was ludicrous, as if they, they may as well have, have, have appointed a, a sort of beach inflatable as leader. And, and instead, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's in at least as strong a position as Ed Miliband was this time last year. Because it seems to me that, you know, we were talking about polls and the fact the polls kind of died and we're living in a sort mm. of weird world of politics where everything's gone the other way. Yeah. So no one expected yeah. Brexit, yeah. no one expected Trump. Thank God it was stopped by well, Macron in France. not only nobody expected but... Trump. The, I mean, exactly the same thing as you said. Even Trump, a lot of people said Trump didn't expect I Trump. I don't think he no. did. He, he did. just no. wanted yeah. brand Trump to go up. Just mm. wanted to humiliate Obama and yeah. get his own back for that White I House prison. They were all set to sign the divorce papers the day after Oh, God, election, Melania must have been yeah. literally <laughs> ringing up hold it. But do we think, in the same way that but, we've had these weird yeah. election results which have, you know, for whatever reason, flung up mm. these mavericks and stuff, do, could we have it going the other way? Could we well, have one going far left? I just wonder whether... 
the impact of Trump, and you know, it's a it's a great impact. But there's the unyet remarked unremarked impact of Trump is is that we just now don't really accept anything that we're told about anyone anymore, or think that's a problem. Mm. Like you were talking about, you know, uh, not just Corbyn but McDonald's past history, and mm. we don't see. And 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 you were saying that you know we've now had that spoken to us for the last two years. So it's not an issue anymore. Isn't it it's more about the like... death of professional <coughs> politics? That's the point. I mean, Trump came yeah. in because he was the only one that spoke his mind. And even though most people knew he was insane, they thought he'd shake it yeah. up. And in a funny way, Corbyn, I think that's why even his dodgy background in the IRA, no one really cares because he is at least someone that's stuck, you know, yeah, stuck yeah, yeah. to his principles. And, and, and there's now an automatic response, which is, oh, oh, he sounds a lot different from all you lot. Yeah. And I don't quite understand it. Well, he's, he's, he's very much the same as Trump in this respect, that he is an alternative to, for want of a better word, the forces of globalisation. This is what I, th- mm. I think there's a huge growing suspicion in of British, poli- British, yes. politi- British public and the American <laughs> public who are just not happy with the degree to which things but, seem to be yeah. floating away from their control and also, altogether. And, yes. and, and to be honest, they don't care, as you say, about some little imperialist post-colonial wrangle over Northern Ireland. That, that to them, is that's over, that squabble. So and we, 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 we forget in America, there was just there was also the Bernie Sanders phenomenon, yeah. as well as the Trump phenomenon. Yeah, and that would be but very I think close. for a lot of people as well in this country, we've been told for such a long time, particularly since the financial crash, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, there's no money and you've got to have deficit reduction. That is like the holy grail of politics. But everyone, A, is just sick of that because mm. most people haven't really had a you know a pay increase since the financial crash. They're feeling their living standards squeezed. They've had like quite a crap time for quite a long time. And somebody comes along and sort of says, it doesn't have to be this mm. way. Mm. And it also helps, by the way, that the Conservatives have also ripped up their rules on like financial responsibility. Yes. So that's given Corbyn the space to say, do you know what? I'm going to borrow a load of money to give good things to you. Tuition fees, more money for the health service, public sector workers, all that kind of stuff. He's offering people... Look, I have been quite a critic of him, but I think one thing that the manifesto's had real cut through on is offering a bit of hope to people Mm. and kind of policies they really Mm. like. But the problem is still, to me, him, like the leadership. You know that famous debate between uh, Nixon and Kennedy, where if you listen to it on the radio, Nixon Nixon won. won. But on telly, it's Kennedy. If you listen or read to what he says, I think a lot of people, young people, really like what he's doing. But then you see him doing it, and even with the trim beard, I think you're thinking, (laughs) are we really going to let this man run the country? And I think that's what's interesting about it. We're not being funny enough. (laughs) (laughs) That little voice in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just me, actually. (laughs) But the whole class of people, I mean, I don't think very many people feel very inspired by Theresa May or anyone at the moment, really, do they? Hang on, we're getting on to Tim Farron in a minute. Unleash hell. It hasn't exactly been a pantheon of greats, has it? Like this whole, I mean, most people are like, somebody phoned into LBC and said, right, this is what the choice is. I'm at the edge of a cliff. I'm going to have to be strapped to somebody and I've got to get fall off the cliff, right? If it's Jeremy Corbyn, I'm definitely going to die. If it's Theresa May, I'm going to lose both my legs. Like, that's but what if it's Boris Johnson, is. you'll survive if you land on top. Or if you've got a zip wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now over to our special correspondent, very special correspondent, Jonathan Pye. Yeah. What, what am I talking about? The, the Lib Dems. Jesus, not the Lib Dems that I recognise anymore. Tim Farron's turned that lot into a group of Brexit-obsessed wet fucking cloths. They epitomise the state of denial that a lot of Remainers are still in. If you're voting for the Liberal Democrats because of Brexit, well, Brexit is an argument that you are going to lose because the argument has already been won. Why are the Lib Dems the anti-Brexit party? Remember that referendum we had where every citizen of legal age was entitled to have their say? Who told Tim Farron that he can stop Brexit? Who does he think he is, fucking MacGyver? cocky little fucker. 
Look, right, I, I voted Remain, but I don't see what's liberal or democratic about ignoring the opinion of 17.5 million people. Quite the opposite, in fact. For me, they should rebrand themselves to the illiberal undemocrats. They should change their logo from a bird flying free to a mangy ostrich with its head in the sand. Tim Farron, he does look a bit like an ostrich, doesn't he? Just his head. And the ostrich is perfect for them, either flapping around but not taking off or hiding away from reality. In the debate last week, Farron said, I trust the nation to decide, unless it's a referendum, right? Isn't that everything that's wrong with the left? As long as we agree on everything, then I'm really open to ideas. Why can't people just occasionally shut the fuck up and listen to an opposing opinion every now and then without calling everyone who thinks slightly differently to you a bigoted thicky? Last week, the Lib Dems came out with a poster of Theresa May with Nigel Farage's face. The slogan was, vote her, get him. But afterwards, right, there was a backlash from within the party. Some Lib Dem members called the poster transphobic because, you know, God forbid there's an opportunity not to take offence at something. That, that's what liberalism means these days, being ridiculously sensitive to every little thing. Photoshopping Nigel Farage's face onto Theresa May's body isn't transphobic, it's just fucking scary. It's like Dr Frankenstein's first attempt, a fusion of dastardly and muttly. Actually, that's, that's not bad, actually. That's perfect. It was, it was a cartoon. Dastardly was a, a moustached, power-mad supervillain, Theresa May, and the other was a giggling, idiotic dog, Nigel Farage. And yet he had this great laugh. It was <laughs> like that. <coughs> oh, fuck. <coughs> oh, I'm fucking choking. <coughs> You're right, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan? Right, that was uh, poor old Jonathan Pye there. If he's going to be right for next week, I'm sure he will be. Um, so the Lib Dems. Everyone predicted a Lib Dem surge when this general election campaign began, but like Tim Farron's full-hearted acceptance of homosexuality, it's yet to materialise. The campaign hasn't all been plain sailing for the SNP either. Nicholas Sturgeon has pushed back the timing of Indie Ref 2, surely the least wanted sequel since Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. And she hasn't ruled out working with Labour, which is good news, as Corbyn is clearly experienced when it comes to forging bonds with our Celtic cousins intent on separation from the the UK. Perhaps Nicola Sturgeon could rename her party the Provisional SNB. See what I did there? It's quite political. Uh, guys, what did happen to Lib Dems? Because at the beginning, I mean, we kind of thought this would be it. This would be the sort of revenge of Brexit. You, you a were a Lib set. Dem, weren't you? I, I was. Are you I, not? No, I've never been a member of the but party or anything. You expressed I, an interest. In 2010, I thought, thinking that it might, we might end up with a, a Labour Lib Dem coalition government, which might just bring us proportional representation, constitutional reform, all those things that people in politics are very excited about. If you're Italian. I tried to. <laughs> I tried oh, to, you are. Uh, I, I said I'd be voting Lib Dem. Um, it was not to be. Um, are you born Lib Dem? Do you think? Am I? Are you born a Lib Dem, or I, is it? I, can I, you be cured? I, I'm kind. I am a kind of you know left of centre, willy wishy washy, willy liberal. So I'm always interested to hear what they have to say. I've been confused this time as to what they have to say. I don't know why, as uh, Jonathan eloquently put it, why they're why they're trying to rehash an argument that was that was run last year. We just don't want to go through all that again. Hash being the word. And the other thing <laughs> is is cannabis. It seems Brexit and cannabis. That's their two. That's not a platform. It's it not. Really Bad, though. It's not bad. Cancel Brexit, get high. I'd vote for that. I said, let's let's go back into Europe so we can get more cannabis. Let's go back That's in it. time and smoke more Europe, go to Amsterdam and bring back Lembit Opic, and we're off. I don't basically. understand. And the cheeky and, and girls. Also, and the che- no, not that. That's they too much. They are a party who have been predicated for the last 
50 years on forming coalitions and, and bringing in proportional representation. So the first thing they say this time is, no, we're not doing coalitions. It's the first time they've not shown consensus. And so no, it's no extraordinary. we're not going to do coalitions. Simon, uh, I'm not going to be rude, but you look like a Lib Dem to me. <laughs> oh, well, I think that is rude. I th- is it rude? <laughs> I mean, are you a Lib Dem? Are you going to come out? That's Lib Demist. Yeah. I, I thought, in hindsight, when you were speaking about it, I do look back at Nick Clegg and think he had extraordinary gravitas and, yes. and perceptive, you know, capacity. Yeah. But uh, compared to this... No, I mean, Farron is an absolute joke, isn't it? But what I do think is interesting is the number of people... And it's interesting, Amanda, who I know, you know, campaigned fairly hard for, for Remain and so on, and lots of people did. There are loads of people on Twitter who do still think we should revisit it, you know. And yet, as soon as the Lib Dems go, well, if you vote for us, we will revisit it, however yeah. re- mm. bizarre that is. They go, yeah, but is is gay sex a sin then, Tim? You're like, what? <laughs> this, he has some private, you know, conversation with an imaginary super being in the sky and you, you, you change the subject. I mean, it just, I don't know, that is really, that's some kind of weird um, dysfunct, brain dysfunction that as soon as they get the opportunity to actually vote for a party that will give them what they want, the conversation switches over to something he's never even voted on anyway. It's not the same that conversation, though. Well, it? it is to some extent. I think, think, isn't they just, think? They, I think they thought... I can understand why. They just thought, right, this is going to give us political... It's going to give us a mission. This is, yeah. And they mistakenly thought there was this lump of 48% of people... Yeah. Disgruntled who, voting. Yeah, whose number one concern in life was, you know, Brexit too. Yeah. And it just wasn't the case. I no, mean, when I, I've been going around the country talking to people, even people in who are Remainers are like, you know what, we've been through all this. It's a bit like in Scotland with the independence reference like you know what mm. that was incredibly painful we've mm. been through it the decision's done let's just mm. get on with it but it's also election overload isn't it we've yeah, had Brexit we've had a general election overload. we got this we've had dealing with Trump on us every day which is yeah, entertainment yeah, yeah. enough yeah. I don't exhausting. want our news yes. ruining our Trump news because yeah. yeah, it's we, boring our we news. want Trump yes. to Trump, and Trump. I think well I enjoy yeah. Trump I mean yeah, there we, is a residual um uh um uh, antipathy towards Theresa May calling the election. It's taken us a while for it to sink in, mm, but I think mm. we're all thinking, no, no. So you think we all just sat there and said, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, but the other problem, I think they just didn't think it through the Lib Dems because the, the bulk of their MPs from the last election were lost in the South West, which was very heavily lean. Yes. So they're uh, not going to pick up MPs yeah. there or mm. seats there by by still... Why is Tim Farron done, I mean, particularly... Badly, he's don't you think? Just, he's just like he's like a Simpsons character. He's just like not like a real. He's like is he Owen, Ned Flanders? Do yeah, think? he is. He's also a bit like Owen Jones's angry older brother. He's got that. Kind <laughs> of... sort of, it's like Owen Jones <laughs> left his village idiot yeah, brother exactly. back. Someone. We're being really rude about <laughs> that because I mean I'm not saying that a vote for the Lib Dems is a wasted vote, but but they want to legalize the, cannabis. I mean the the, the message that the big slogan that everyone's going to remember from Tim Farron is "Smell my spaniel." What? That was the theme. That's Sorry? the only thing he I said totally that's had that. any cut through. Well, it didn't cut through with me. He said, oh, what? You've just, in your bubble, he cut, smell, I'm not in my bubble. Smell my Spaniel. <laughs> when did you say that? In what context do you say that? It's the only thing that knocked off the gay sex row. Sorry, was like, seriously, I didn't, I, I know. He was, he, was kind of, he was holding some dog and yeah. then he was like, smell my Spaniel. That's, that's like, it, smell the glove from Spinal like, Tap. That's amazing. Like that should be their slogan. Lib Dems, get high, smell my Spaniel. Fuck Brexit. Honestly. I'm going to work for Lib Dems. I'd kill this. So let's talk about worst-case scenarios. And no, I don't mean it's 3am on election night and you've run out of drink and Croydon Central's yet to declare. I mean the worst cases for the Tory and Labour parties. If the Tories do badly, then the Prime Minister may step down and might leave frontline politics altogether. So it'd be much like the election campaign. But if Jeremy Corbyn does badly, there's likely to be deep unrest in the Labour Party. So, again, much like the election. Um... 
Aisha, what's going to happen uh, under the Tories if they lose seats, if it's not a convincing win? Well, if it's not a convincing win, if, it, win, if it's a hung parliament, if she loses seats, then I think the knives will come out pretty quickly for her. I think Amber Rudd? Yeah, absolutely. People have, you know, her stock is high, mm. um, uh, like the Lib Dems. But um, I think <laughs> what's interesting is that the, the Conservatives are not squeamish about wielding the knife. Oh, they really, love it, they don't they? They're like Hitler. The big mm. thing... Oh, OK, Livingston... No, the, <laughs> the Conservatives the, are like Hitler, you say. <laughs> well, I think that's... <laughs> Possibly, yeah. But they will come after her because, yeah. as well, I think the thing is, she always had this kind of slight mythology. She was her judgment was great. She got mm. a very tight team of people as well. She got two special advisors mm. called Nick Timothy and Fiona Hill, and they are sort of her Praetorian guard. Mm. And they've always kind of really scared people and said, "Like we're really? better." Yeah. Mm. But then this dementia tax came, and it was terrible. It was an absolute stinker. Marginal constituencies hated it. So if she doesn't do well, I think they'll come after What's her. What's the hard. number? What's the magic number that if she doesn't get? over that she's in trouble do we think well don't you think they built expectations so high so if she doesn't get over what? 60 yeah then, she doesn't then do she a donald trump and win everything yeah i think it'd be hilarious if she got one less than she has now and got and booted she, out yeah i think that would be hilarious <laughs> and then <laughs> declared she had a mandate <laughs> what do we think the number is though seriously i mean how badly does she have to lose or do you think it's literally less uh, yeah, I think I think she'd be able if she got more than she has now. Obviously, she'd be. It'd still be seen as disappointing, but she can still bluff it, and she'd still survive. But I still think they'd probably start coming after her in a short period of time. Yes. but uh, this thing about her, I, I've been hearing for years that she's a bit mad. Oh, she I've heard that. That, yeah. that. That you know that she sticks. She only talks to the two or three people yeah. she has around her. Doesn't discuss anything with anything. And that was the problem with the social care thing that no one else in the cabinet knew about it. Yeah, you about <laughs> Simon. Simon, what do you think about this? Well, What's going to happen? I live in Hove, where uh, social care is basically the you know the core economy uh, the, yeah. of the south coast. Brighton, not Hove. And so obviously, yeah, it's you know, well, Brighton is the anomaly on the south coast. Everywhere else is just basically retirement. It's the yeah. retirement belt. All Brighton's where all the dogs on string go. To be honest, she should have waited one cold snap, and that whole problem could just be eliminated. <laughs> but um, you know, we've had some warm winters lately, and it's becoming a little bit of a concern. But I don't know, understand why. I mean, it's a very difficult subject to deal with. Obviously, an inheritance tax, which is essentially the same sort of thing is always a vote loser for the Tories. So why introduce it at all? But now, basically, what she's done is quite quite similar to, you know, I mean, that whole subject has just been made too toxic to deal with for another ten years now. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna approach it. So. But what about Labour? I mean, let's. I, mean, I think we're sort of agreeing that unless something extraordinary happens, Corbyn's almost safe, isn't it? It's to be his third election. He'll done quite well. He'll stay in. But let's just say. There is a challenge or whatever. Where's it coming from? Who's the sort of... Who's the new Tony Blair? You know, who's going to the young hope? Well, isn't the talk more of them being the, a new party being formed? A, a, radical, a radical new party well, back. It's just interesting because what you were saying about a progressive alliance, in fact, if anything, there's a yeah. split is, is more dangerous because there's yeah. the old guard of Labour's, you know, the working class who wants kind of just, you know, Proper. A, the fighting chance have completely split from the mm-hmm. social justice. So Tony Blair and, and Peter you know? Manson set up a new Labour. Well, we calling top, it yeah. Labour yeah. Classic or is it... Oh, Marsh. What? It's like it's a great... Oh, Marsh. That's quite nice. Oh, Marsh by Blair. I like that. Continuity Labour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the same old Labour. But I who do, do you think? think who is so the next next generation? What about Tom Labor. Watson? What happens to Tom Watson if if Corbyn stays in? Uh, I think Tom's going to find life quite hard. I mean, like the Corbynistas are angry with Tom because mm. they think that he manoeuvred that coup. And that's probably Which slightly did. true. Yeah. And then went to Glastonbury to have like plausible deniability. That's where I always um, go when I'm looking for plausible <laughs> deniability. Disco. I cannot remember anything for four days. Silent <laughs> Disco. Yeah. Putin's always at Glastonbury. <laughs> Putin's there. There's a journalist yeah. being shot yeah, yeah. in Russia. Putin goes, I have no idea. Someone put something in my drink. That's it. I was dancing with druids. I had like hands on. I know nothing. I know nothing. 
I think it's going to be the, the, the nightmare is going to begin for the Labour Party now hasn't even really, really mm. started. Corbyn is going nowhere. There were a couple of people who were already gearing up their leadership campaigns, but I don't think name anyone... Who are I they? can't Oh, name come on. Them. Dan Jarvis, he's the one we always hear. No, is he gone now? Is he old news? Sakia Starmer. Starmer. What, yes. what about Hillary Benn? He's been quiet. He's no, the one I'd run. Hillary wouldn't do anything. Hillary Why not? wouldn't do that. I don't, is that transphobic? He feels like... <laughs> you people. <laughs> you sick me. I need to call the Lib Dem immediately and make a citizen's arrest. Okay, um, um, so I'm not quite sure what this is about, but we're going to do a quick fire round. So uh, Aisha, David Dimbleby or David Davis? Dimbleby. Really? Yeah. Oh, David Davis looks like Julian Assange. But you didn't know what the question was. I thought, oh, I thought it was, I meant, did I want to shag him? Oh, but that was oh, you. Gosh, That's sorry. your mind, isn't it? Armando, <laughs> on the same vein, Jeremy Vine or Jeremy Corbyn? Do I want to shag? Which yeah. I've never mentioned shagging. This is all you guys. I'm just saying, choose. Jeremy Vine or Jeremy Corbyn? It's not a binary choice. I mean, this oh, the whole election is, can be... Jeremy Vine. Jeremy Vine. Uh, <laughs> Simon Keese, number 10, or back channel to Russia? Back channel to Russia every time. Yeah? Uh, yeah. You like a bit I've been on my wish list for a few years. You like a bit of a back oh, yeah, channel like view back to channel. Russia? <laughs> oh, God, it's turning up the loaded stuff. Um, finally, finish this sentence, Aisha. Our next Prime Minister will be... Theresa May. I think they wanted a joke. All right, sorry. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Our next Prime Minister will be... Weak and wobbly. Oh, nice. Uh, Armando, I would never, ever vote for... Uh, <laughs> times in a row. Uh, I would never, ever vote for... This is a joke being assembled. Yeah. <laughs> by a top satirist. <laughs> I don't like the, I don't like the word satirist. He's got a huffy. He's pulled out like of the joke. Satirist. In a moment, he's about yeah. to write the funniest joke yeah. ever written. Can I be like Jeremy Corbyn and say, "Can I get back to you with that?" Please do. <laughs> Check your iPad. Check I'm your iPad. My iPad right now. Simon, if uh, Jeremy Corbyn, speaking of which, becomes yeah. prime minister, I will. Oh, I will shave my beard. Yeah, I will emigrate definitely. Will you? Yeah, really? Yeah. What? No, what? To where? No, Why? I'm out. To where? You haven't I'm got any options. Going you can't go to Europe anymore. No, I know. You can't go to America. Where are you going to go? I think possibly Ukraine. Nice. Yeah. Chernobyl's I'm lovely this time of year, I tell yeah, you. Yeah. And that's it. Many thanks to my guests this week, Simon Evans, Aisha Hazarika and Armando Iannucci. Also to writers Andrea Mann, Robin Flavel, Dan Bowman and Andrew Doyle. Please tell, tweet, Instagram, Facebook, even speak to your friends about us. Enjoy the election and remember, in the end, even if your side loses, it's important to remember that life goes on. At least until Donald Trump destroys the planet. Controversial. <laughs> Goodbye. That was Strong and Stable. We'll catch you next time. Please subscribe. Strong and Stable is a Deezer Originals production. You can find and download more episodes on Deezer and all major podcast providers. Deezer, Deezer. Originals.